This is a podcast about answering one question. Are you on a journey that matters enough to you? To answer this question, you're going to need to dive right into your middles. I'm obsessed with middles. I've come to think that middles deserve another look. To ensure that you are on a journey that matters enough to you, buckle into that middle seat and let's go on this adventure together. Hashtag welcome aboard. Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome to today's episode of the Mala in the Middle podcast. I am thrilled to have both Eric and Emily Orton on today's episode, and I think you'll quickly find out why I am so thrilled. A bit of an introduction on both Emily and Eric. They have co-authored... Uh, the book Seven at Sea, why a New York City family cast off convention for a life-changing year on a sailboat. The New York Times named it a top 10 travel book uh, of 2019. It's fabulous. Get your hands on it as soon as you can. It's got every twist angle you could imagine. Um, And of course, if you're from New York, you're going to love this. And if you're not, you're going to have what you think New York families are like uh, and think about them being on a sailboat. So uh, Emily and Eric currently live in New York City with their five children. All five of them are fabulous. I've had the pleasure of knowing them. Um, And just a little bit of background on each of them individually. Um, Emily is a former public school teacher. And she's turned homeschool mom uh, since 2007. She's also written for Your Teen Magazine, uh, New York Metro Parents, and Dare Dream Do, which is awesome. And then Eric is a former Broadway tour manager and playwright. Uh, He managed such shows as, uh, as Wicked, probably familiar with that one. And Les Mis, also familiar with that one. Uh, his original musical Berlin won an Emmy and several other awards. Uh, he recently achieved a life goal of climbing El Capitan in Yosemite. I've climbed Half Dome, but um, Eric has clearly, tr- he, he, is, he has climbed higher than me. Eric, I try. I try though. <laughs> and uh, and, they, which, and which the two of them. Half Dome though, you know, that's the yeah. trick. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was on the uh, the side with more people. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and uh, and they, they both Eric and Emily they spent the past four years traveling by boat, uh, van, and plane across. Get this: the South Pacific, Europe, North and South America which makes them some of my favorite people to follow on all social media platforms because their pictures are amazing. And I'm always uh, very jealous of wherever they are as a world traveler. And we won't talk about COVID and traveling because it makes me really sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they speak and teach on navigating change. And you're going to see why from the book and uh, living really a better story. Uh, they recently co-founded the Awesome Factory, which is the best name for a company ever, uh, a marker space for really a meaningful life. Um, I think when I think of Eric and Emily, I, I'd say that they're they're getting ready uh, to launch their course, Dreaming with Discipline, where they teach the awesome factory framework. And if that's not enough, overall, I can't just, I can share my own personal opinion of both Eric and Emily. Um, they don't just talk the talk, they walk it too. And um, I remember when they were talking about taking their family on a sailboat and uh, as a New Yorker, I thought that was a pretty amazing idea. I remember a lot of New Yorkers thinking it was an amazing idea and a lot of New Yorkers thinking it was a crazy idea and a silly idea and an idea that was all talk. And uh, when you meet Eric and Emily and their children, you go, okay, no, uh, they really do what they say. And that goes a long way. Uh, so Eric and Emily, can you tell I'm excited to have you here? <laughs> We're excited to be here, Mala. Thanks for that, yeah, this uh, is so fun. For that introduction. Very generous yeah. of you. 
It's easy to do it. It's easy. Yeah. So we're going to just, you know what this podcast is all about. It's all about people um, figuring out and navigating journeys that matter enough to them, which uh, I think your journey at sea with the seven of you dials right into the questions that we ask on this podcast. Uh, And also, um, obviously, we're big proponents of middles because the belief in the premise is that middles uh, are the only way to really connect and achieve personal transformation in these moments um, and getting to answer that question, am I on a journey that matters enough to me? So um, I can't wait to hear hear what you have to share with everyone. So Let's uh, let's start with the question. Um, When you hear the question, are you on a journey that matters enough to you? What do you hear in that? What does it mean to you? And you can speak together. You can speak uh, separately or individually, whatever, wherever you want to go. Ladies first today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's actually really good. We practice um, not interrupting each other as (laughs) as just one. Because sometimes we do that. What? Anyway. So you mentioned that I was an um, uh, I was actually a middle school teacher when I was a public teacher, and oh really? Okay. I became Dramatic. a teacher because I love stories so much. I thought, well, I better become an English teacher, and I, I also taught Spanish. But the main thing was about story, and I love stories so much because I think they're always a pattern for our life. And so when I think about life as a story and consider the hero's journey, mm-hmm. think about if if what the hero wants is not inspiring, it's kind of lame. You know, they're not going to be willing. If they can get it already, then why don't they just get it? It is only interesting when there's some kind of uncertainty or an obstacle Mm. or an ambiguity and there's a risk and you're like, they don't know how to do this thing or they don't know how to solve this problem. And, and then they just step forward. So how I have kind of thought about that journey is like, you know, it's a journey that matters enough to you when you are willing to overcome some kind of obstacle. And so for me, I care a lot about growth and learning. And so no, I just am always trying to make sure that whatever direction I'm going, it's a direction where growth is happening. I'm either learning more about myself, I'm connecting better with other people, I'm understanding something that's happening in the world or a specific topic. And yeah, so it's like, that whole story idea, the hero's journey is they, they go from not knowing something to transforming into knowing something or not being capable to transforming into being capable. So for me, Mm -hmm. the middle is about, um, becoming. Beautiful. Emily, uh, middle school's making a lot of sense to me now. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Um, but absolutely. Cause the middle, we talk about, uh, doing and we talk about becoming, Mm-hmm. And those are such different, you know, the becoming part is like the ontological world and uh, just becoming is is where the power is. Um, but a lot of it is through doing as well. So thank you. That, that's perfect. And Eric, how about you? Like when you hear that question, am I on a journey that matters enough to me? Um, what do you hear in that? What does it mean to you? Oh, man, that's such a great question you're asking, Mala. I love it. And I think um, we're all usually on a good journey. I, I think we know very few people who are on a bad journey, but we're all on a good journey. But I think when you ask this great question of, is it, does it matter enough? It's a mat, you're asking about priorities. Um, mm. And, you know, what really, because the great distraction or the, sorry, the great challenge in life, in my opinion, is getting distracted and pulled off course into something that is not important 
Wait, so let me pause. So the great challenge in life, not getting distracted. Yeah, the great challenge yeah. is to not get distracted, to be clear about what you want and to go to go for it, to go towards it. For myself, I, I've set up kind of a, a grid. Uh, okay. A tic-tac-toe board, if you will. It's got nine sure. squares. And in each of these squares is something that is important to me. And so as life comes at me, if it doesn't fit into one of these squares, I do my best to just, you know, to eliminate it from my life essentially, or to not, to not lean into it. And so, mm-hmm. um, I think if we don't have criteria, um, we risk taking a journey or going in a direction that doesn't matter very much, or it matters to somebody else. Uh, and so I think trying to get clear on what matters to each of us, for you, your journey, for Emily, her journey, for me, mine, and us as a family, being clear and, and committed is, is I think, the hardest part. Uh, and so that's what I strive to do. I love it. Uh, well, I love it because I want a tic-tac-toe board. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's what I, I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, yeah, it's actually, by the way, that would be a really, it could be a very marketable product. I, really. I mean, that would be awesome. Uh, you know, hit me up. I'll, I'll make t-shirts. Yeah. But that, that idea of it's a priority grid essentially, right? It yes. doesn't matter enough to me. If it fits in, great. If not, I try to eliminate it. And I, I know that I wouldn't be perfect at that. I'm sure Eric, you, there's a, every now and then a 10th or 11th uh, square shows up on the board, right? <laughs> But, yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted. I kind of want to round it out and add surfing as the 10th square. I just don't know. Oh, where that's, that's been tough. Where. Yeah, that's the title. That's like the 10th square. The 10th square. Actually, if you draw a box around the whole thing, that makes it. That's like, it. That's it. That's the 10th square. It's like three activities he always wants to be engaging in, three locations that he wants to be in. And then the other three are like love, serve, grow. Like I need to be doing one of these. Actually, not not it. Mostly, you know yours better. Yeah, but basically, like, I mean, not that you, I don't know if you want to get into this, but one of them is uh, places I want to live. So one is the city. Okay. One is is a is a boat or the ocean, and the other is the country. And so, in the course of my life, I want to live in those three places. I'm getting aboard. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm with you because I want all that too. Yeah. And then I have um, write because I love. To me, writing is really important. Um, I have music. I love making music, writing music, uh, listening to music, and uh, climbing. Usually, for me, that takes the form of rock climbing, but you know, also mountains and other things. And then I have learn, mm-hmm. serve, and love. Yeah, learn, and, serve, and love. And so, if it's not one of those nine things, I I try to cut it loose. Yeah, what am I doing? And then there's sur- surf. surfing. Surfing. That's <laughs> just trying to figure that one out. That that can fall under learn. That's I, yeah, it's kind of under love and learn right now. Yeah, yeah no surfing. I, usually, usually a husband. It doesn't matter. A husband or a wife has like a tenth square that will go re- unnamed or uh, will be called out. So surfing. I was watching a Seinfeld's latest stand up on Netflix. He talks about golf, mm-hmm. and he talks about the acronym being get out, leave family, <laughs> and it. It might, he just was like, he, his riff on golf is hilarious, right? But this, that would be a tenth square for a lot of people. Let's go to the next question. Um, when and how did you know, and I think this is really important, did you know that you were not on a journey that mattered enough? And what signaled that? Uh, was it obvious? Was it glaring? I'm assuming you've been in that, that you know, had that experience where you went, whoa, like, this is great, but this just, ah, this just doesn't matter enough. It just doesn't. So Emily, Eric, whoever wants to start. 
Yeah, I think for me, the the real signal is when I'm not willing to make the sacrifices that are required to overcome the obstacles to go on that journey. So like for me, it was really specific when I was teaching middle school and Mm -hmm. um, I was also expecting our first child. And they were making me this offer, which sounded so great because you all, everyone wants to get an offer. It, you know, it feels good. <laughs> so on the one hand at university, they were like, tell, my advisors were like, you need to just go straight for the PhD. And then if you just teach three years and come back here, come on faculty, you know, this is, you know, the thing we want to help you make this path happen. And then uh, at the school where I was teaching, they were like, we want you to come back. It's um, great if you just want to come part time and you can run the language department and mm. you know, make all the decisions that are happening there. Not English, but in, they really wanted me as a Spanish teacher. And I was like, wait, th- then I'm going to have to like just realizing the sacrifices I was going to have to make having a new baby and being like, oh, find someone to care. How How is I going to feed her? Um, this you know, salary cut is going to be for the part time. It was just kind of the risk reward balance. And then, and then with, you know, at my kind of mentors, their, their offer, I was like, wait, but when am I going to be the mother that I want to be, you know? And I think a lot of people can figure this out in all different ways. This was just the dialogue for me personally. And I realized that, um, those, those weren't sacrifices that I was willing to make. And rather than having a small impact on, hundreds or thousands of students, I wanted to have a super deep impact on the kids that were in my immediate family. That, that's where I was as a decision maker in my early 20s. They also had thrown in a little zinger of saying like, oh, you could pro-, like, <laughs> they had said something negative about my husband saying said, like, you could support your husband's theater habit. You could support your husband's really? theater habit. And I was like, <laughs> dang, you do not even know this man so um i was like wow need any help you know but anyway i love it i love that it was a habit right it's it's an addiction you know it's like heroin theater whatever you know so it's fine but at the bottom line whatever decision i made either way if i had said yeah i'm going for the phd then it would have meant those sacrifices were worth it to me but when i was looking at what i actually wanted it became very clear i wasn't willing to make those sacrifices ergo i must not want it that much i must want this other thing better more you know so that's how i made the decision right there you go am i willing to am i willing to make the sacrifice am i willing to sacrifice uh, said xyz right whatever it is uh, to yeah. go for it yeah, I love that. I love that answer. Eric, how about you? How did you know? When did you know? What signs did you look for to know? You know what? Great journey, but doesn't matter enough to me. Well, I think the story, the moment that comes most to mind for me was when we came back from sailing and I had been mm-hmm. very worried about money all along the way because we didn't have deep pockets when we took that trip and mm-hmm. we couldn't afford to keep the boat once we were back. And we were back and and I and I didn't know if I was ever going to get a job again after just to kind of quitting and walking away from work life and having a big gap in my resume. But fortunately, I was hired back at the exact same job I'd had before. And so I found myself sitting at my literally the same desk, doing the same work, sitting next to the same people, having just gone through this massively transformational journey of sailing with our family from the Caribbean back to New York and living on board for a year. And 
and I was like, no, this, this isn't going to work for me anymore. I can't be here. I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's going to be something else. And I started, yeah. and I started looking around and, um, I lasted back at my old job six weeks, six weeks. So, so but Eric, as you were on, on board, and, and on the trip and you just said, you know, you were worried about money. I mean, how did that, and then you came back. I mean, how did that feel? Like, what were, was it, were you anxious? Were you sad? Or Emily, you could fill in the blank there too. I mean, how, how did that show up? So it was like getting to shore and getting internet and checking in and like sending out queries and checking back for leads and yeah. constantly asking like, oh, what are we going to do? What am I going to do when we get back? Like, that's how it looked in the everyday. It looked like Eric not relaxing and enjoying the moment we were having. It looked like Eric wishing he had answers for the future so much that he couldn't be present, you know, on very many occasions. And he was like, oh, I, did, I could have enjoyed that so much more if I wouldn't have been so worried. And Eric, what were you feeling? Well, I, I, I've had a pretty high anxiety level while we were sailing just because I felt very responsible for our our physical well-being as well as our financial well-being. And, uh, we, you know, we had very limited resources and we were trying to pull off something that felt a little bit, um, you know, of a reach. It was beyond our, our grasp and we were making it happen, but it was on a real shoestring. Um, and so, you know, to, yeah, all those things that Emily said, I was constantly checking in on, you know, opportunities and because we would love to have stayed out if I'd been able to sort of make the money piece work from the water but we weren't we weren't quick enough studies on that trip to make it happen but right so you know a lot of that whole that experience was tainted and we talk about this pretty candidly in the book you know it was just everything was seen through the lens of oh my goodness how are we going to pay for life (laughs) it's like you know and that's 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 I think most people live most of their life through that lens? I think so. I don't think that's a foreign lens at all. No, I think that's the curse of the middle because you're in the middle and you're always like, how's this going to turn out? But now afterwards talking about it, you're like, oh yeah, and it was fine. But it was not how it felt going through it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I think the, the difference, Mala, for me was when we got back and all of that uncertainty that I'd just gone through the previous year of you know moving aboard a boat and not really knowing what we were doing despite all of our preparation and then figuring it out and sailing from island to island and getting there and realizing, oh, you know what? There's just always going to be a certain, there's going to be a certain amount of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And every time we got to an island or a new anchorage or what have you, we figured it out. And so when I got home and once again, we sort of, you know, landed, like we got home and we got a job and we figured everything else again. I was like, you know what? I can do that again. And you know what? This time I know Going into it, they'll be able to figure it out, even though I don't know all the answers now and I don't even know all the questions yet. And so when I decided to leave my very safe, secure job with benefits and all that sort of stuff to do something that was, professionally speaking, was very high risk, I was going into sales and I wasn't just going into sales, I was going into 100% commission sales. Whoa. You know, with five kids and the oldest is just getting ready to graduate high school, I just thought, but you know, I was like, you know what? my confidence level going in was so much higher. I never would have done it before. First of all, because I never saw myself doing sales. That was not me. That sure, I, I sure. wasn't that kind of guy. And right. so just like I didn't see myself as a sailor beforehand, I didn't see myself as a salesman. Now there's a little bit of a pun in there. I just want to make sure that's not 
going oh over God. the heads of any of our Molly, listeners. Molly, no, it is so smart there. <laughs> it was not overlooked. It was not overlooked. Thank, thank you. Um, so, so, you know, going into that job, I just, first of all, I got home back at my desk and it was two weeks before I decided I was leaving and, and six weeks until I actually left. Okay. And then I, I launched into this whole journey that was, again, transformational because um, going into this new job, I had to face a whole new set of fears, a whole new set of uncertainty and a whole new culture and really. a whole new culture. And I think, you know, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves in terms of what we're going to talk about today, but just just being able to sort of head straight into ambiguity and uncertainty with an, a higher level of confidence and calm than I'd ever had before was was the best thing. So so, you know, that's that's for me. That's what it felt like going from a place of anxiety, always worrying about money pre-sailing and during our sale and then going into a place that was like, you know what? Um I don't have it I all figured this. out, but I'm, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you, but the six weeks, I mean, it, it, you said two weeks in, you went, this is not, no, no, no. Like I'm not on a journey that matters enough to me. How did you, how, how did that come to you? Was it just obvious or, you know, cause that's, that's cause a lot of people would have stayed, you know what I mean? They would have, they would have stayed on, uh, yeah, yeah. even though they got signals and, you know, signs and. A lot of people he worked with are still there, still there complaining about being there. <laughs> so what what did you do? What did you know, Eric? Is it, I mean, what did you see or not see or, you know, that what sign did you get that you went, you know what? No, not my, not for me. And it's okay. I, I think the best way to describe it is I just, um, obviously I had changed, um, you know, from, you know, we, we call our book, you know, our, I, what what is our book? It's called. It's like a life changing year at sea. Only because it genuinely because, did. So change yeah, our lives. you know, we yeah. came. I came home a changed person, and and I guess the best way to describe it is I felt like new wine in an old bottle. Ah, okay. And I was like, that makes this, sense. This is the wrong. This is the wrong space yeah. for me. I don't fit here anymore. Mm-hmm. So I need to go find a new space to be because I'm a new kind of person. Got it. And that's Got a bit it. of a- so the cha- the change was clear to you. Yeah. And so you went back and went, whoa, I don't, I don't fit in here. And I'm not complaining about here. It's just, I don't fit. That is just point blank. That's how it is. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. I got it. I got it. So you switched fields entirely, went into sales. And then after two years, I remember you, you sold your boat and you did pretty well in sales, even though you weren't the sales guy, right? Yeah. It was, a, it, was a big, yeah. it was a big culture shift for me because I didn't, I didn't, you know, I'm sort of bookish and artsy and yeah, most of bookish artsy people don't go into sales. No, that's how you see yourself. Well, that's how I used to, <laughs> right. you know, uh, bookish artsy rock climbing surfer. Exactly. There you go, guys. <laughs> that's what we need. That's what we want. But no, I hear you, Eric. Absolutely. I've facilitated, uh, more than my fair share of sales conferences. So I kind of, you know, I think there's a general, uh, demographic there for sales folks and they're fabulous. Yeah, I got yeah, it. And so, you know, I went into it and I just felt very out of place, very, you know, like, I, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm at a time in my life where I just really need a, my goal is money. Mm-hmm. I had a really great experience. It's time to recover financially. And the goal here is just to make bank. And, and before I could survive off of what we lived and it was comfortable and we were fine and we were good, but I was like, you know what, I need to make some real money, both to sort of replenish our, our, our accounts. And also just, you know, I wanted to get ahead. And so I was pretty, pretty driven and pretty focused and uh, 
the more I got into it, the more I realized that sales was about a lot more than just making money. And it turns out that, um, at least from my experience, you know, if you go about it the right way and for the right reasons, the money definitely happens. And um, I was able to triple my income doing this wow. new kind of work, which was, wow. you know, pretty, it was again, transformative for me. But I also, I realized that in this process, I was facing additional fears. And really, um, I've since written about this, and I have a book that that might come out at some point. Uh, but for me, going into sales, it was a very spiritual journey. And I had to get down to who I really was, what really mattered, yeah. and, uh, you know, sort of why am I here on this earth? Uh-huh. And, and I was facing, you know, all kinds of uncertainty. And like I said, with fear, my, my goal became, I want to find fear, dig it up. I want to dig it up to the root and burn it. Yeah. I, yes, I remember you. I love this. I bolded this. I highlighted this. I was like, cause I was going through our notes and the book and all these things. And I went, wait, that, that line is so good. I want to dig it up when you're thinking of fear. I want you once said you want to dig it up at the roots and just burn it. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I've just realized that fear is wasted energy and fear is, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, fear protects us and it helps us. And I think um, I just to clarify, I, I, I don't believe in fear. I don't believe in being stupid, but I, I think that. Yeah. When people say fear, what they actually mean is awareness. Yeah. That, you know, if, yeah, if, if you, you know, you, you want to teach your kids that if you touch a hot stove, you'll burn your hands. You don't want to teach them fear. You want them to teach, you want to teach them awareness, but I don't think fear actually really serves us well. Fear and worry are both choices. And when we, um, when we go there, we're not our best selves. And when we live from a place of fear and worry, we're not living our best life. And I've, my, my belief is that if we're going to try and navigate uncertainty and ambiguity, we mm-hmm. don't, we don't learn to overcome. We don't, we don't strengthen ourselves in that way by clinging to certainty. We, we learn to navigate uncertainty and ambiguity by walking straight up to it and looking it in the eye, right. shaking in its hand, shaking its hand and dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah, and well, yeah, when people say fear, you're saying they actually mean awareness. And I like the stovetop uh example a lot. It makes sense. Emily, what were you going to say and then we'll go well, I want to get us back on the boat. Actually. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking two things because really like I know when Eric said that that sales journey was a spiritual journey for him. I think the 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 takeaway was realizing that it was actually all about love, you know? And really loving the people that you were serving and making sure you were giving them something good. So at the beginning, this was Whatever we do, it's always a family adventure. So we like all the kids were out helping at one point or another with this. I would go out with Eric sometimes um, and I loved it. But when he would leave for work in the morning, our son would say or when he would come home, our son would say, "Um, how many sales did you make today? And and Eric was like, oh, I just don't even like how that feels. And he taught him to ask him a better question, which was how many friends did you make today? And so every day he would come home from work and, and our son would say, Hey dad, how many friends did you make today? You know? And, and it was just, it was just good the whole, the whole family. And, um, I think just to second what Eric was saying about shaking hands with ambiguity. I love that. And 
for my perspective and how I talk to my kids about this is, you know, there's a little kind of song rhyme that we do with our kids. That's like going on a lion hunt, you know, going to catch a big one or a bear hunt, whichever way you heard it. Uh Uh-huh. And so we talk about some of these things in life, like being these lion hunt issues where, you know, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. You can't go around it. You just got to go through it. And, and that's just been a, it's just great to be able to take that with them from childhood, you know, all the way on up. Yep. Yep. This is going to be one where we actually have to (laughs) just face it. No, totally. And like in the intro of, of my book, you know, that's in process. And we talk about middles. Like I say, like, I wish, I wish I could offer you a way over it or around it or, uh, you know, under it. And um, there's the only way to, to the transformation, right? Like to the change is directly through it. So I like that image of just walking up to it, shaking its hand. And I was going to say, like, do you really, do you really wish you could put someone over it? Not if you knew that getting to the other side, you would still be the same person, right? You just have to. I just know what people want. I, I, I know it because I want it. Even how many I've been through, it's like just sometimes it's heavy. Sometimes it's challenging, you know, and sometimes um, Netflix sounds a lot better than (laughs) writing, you know, like, and it doesn't, it's nothing to do with laziness, right? It's just, where are you? You know, where are you in life? So I I just think, ah, it's it's great. It's great. It makes so much sense to me. Um, And I love Eric, like going back to digging, digging up fear at the roots and just burning it because you're right. It it is, can be wasted energy. Um, and, uh, it doesn't, the narrative we have around fear and I, I collapse this often with scarcity, um, Mm. doesn't, doesn't serve us very often. And I remember a coach telling me, well, Mala, that neural pathway, you're trained. I mean, you, you hear fear, fear, you see scarcity. And this is why I want to get back on the boat (laughs) because I want, I want to hear about like that whole, the whole fear and scarcity that popped up there. But, um, you know, she said that actually, the you you have to create a new neural pathway because yeah. you uh, uh, there and um and she said you know her advice to me this was just last week actually um said the one of the routes there is compassion and um yeah it's really compassion and i think that's kind of what you were leaning towards emily with the love and yeah. the relation the relationships piece um and just and then self care um, which I thought was really interesting. And so I love the upgrade of the language for your son because anyone who's uh, stellar in sales and Eric, you became stellar in sales knows that it's not about selling anything. It's about the relationships that you mm-hmm. have. And uh, that's what makes people good, right? For sure, yeah. yeah. It's really, really cool. Um, any other comments here before I ask you the next question? Well, if you want to get back to the boat, I would say that sometimes Netflix is the right answer, but only for a little while. Because when we went, uh-huh. I used to be like this person who always wanted to read the quotes that said like, do something that scares you every day, you know? <laughs> and after we had lived this exposed life for so long with all our uh-huh. kids, I came home and I was like, I don't want to do anything for a while. So I think there needs to be a rest period in the cycle, right? Where you kind of process and refuel and then get out there again. But when we um, first went on the boat, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. tell us, like, did it immediately get to something that I, I know you pivoted and there were a few different paths to getting to the enough on your journey. And then you had started telling me, you're like, oh, Mala, we pivoted so many times. So like, hard. Yeah. And, yeah. But like, how did, how, what was it like when you first started? And 
You're, everyone's excited, right? You guys are all pumped. Yeah. So first, I didn't want even want to do it at all because I was scared of deep water. But we oh, pursued. Are you this, really? Yes, truly, for oh over thirty gosh. years. So we. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. So how did you get convinced into this? Then? <laughs> oh my well, that gosh. Was, put her. Put her on a mountain, Eric. Jeez. I think don't it's put her in water. Sales, apparently. Yeah. I was like, what yeah. about the mountains? So risk yeah. reward came to where he was like, I think the seven of us on a boat would be enough universe for me. And I started thinking about like, what would this experience be like for our family with Eric available full time with like mm -hmm. hands-on experiences with being in brand new environments, like, like you said, creating new neural pathways together, galvanize our family, learn so much, discover right. about ourselves. I was like, okay, okay, okay. It's worth it. I will take the lessons, you know, as we got deeper into the lessons, I finally kind of had to face that fear. And it happened on the, the first, we kind of crammed two courses into one week in the Caribbean during hurricane season, because yes, it's it way cheaper oh. during hurricane season. We didn't have any hurricanes, thankfully, but that's wow. when you can get the good price. So we went to the British Virgin Islands and we had the most incredible teacher who was so patient. That's just a tip for anyone teaching anything right? The uh -huh. love and patience, it's what makes the learning possible. So everyone else in the course was out snorkeling. And this was the second time I was sitting alone on the boat by myself this week, just like, haha, I'm scared of the water. I feel like an idiot. Wow. And um, I realized, you know, on land, it's not a problem, but this is a place where that fear is actually really limiting me. And so I put on a mask and I put on my fins and I was like, let me just try getting in this water was 30 feet deep and I just deep, say that's, that's deep enough, that's deep. deep enough, deep pretty enough. scared, deep that's enough three, for three, three, swimming, three, three <laughs> swimming pools deep, right? It's like, yep. Okay. Yeah. I was really scared and I was, um, actually I started, um, kicking as fast as I could and I was singing these little like Sunday school songs to myself, which I still do when I get scared, <laughs> these little affirmations, right. um, but on high speed. And then I saw this green turtle. Whoa. swimming and that was so cool and then I got really scared again I was kicking as fast as I could and I made it to the reef where everybody was and I saw seeing it for myself in real life surrounded by the water like so much more impressive to me than seeing it on a nature video or something I was right. totally overwhelmed by how fascinating and beautiful this underwater world was with the sea fans and the parrotfish and like every different color of fish that I didn't even yeah. know how to name because yeah. that wasn't in my wheelhouse. And, and, uh, I forgot to be afraid. Like I was so in love. I forgot wow. to be afraid. So Eric tapped me on the shoulder when he realized I was there and he said, Hey, you know, we're getting ready to swim back. Do you, do you want to swim back together? And I was like, no way. And this is like my new favorite thing in the whole <laughs> You're world. You're like, what? Why? Why? <laughs> and so that was such a huge lesson to me to realize, Oh my gosh, it was just right here. On the other side of the surface of the water and so cool. it so made me start cool. questioning like what other yeah. favorites are hiding behind my fears and so i started approaching this trip to getting on the boat very differently i was a mm -hmm. lot bolder in moving forward knowing that there's often something incredible on the other side of your fears and learning that I thought my fear was like really sturdy, yeah. like a, like a steel rebar brick cement wall or whatever. Mm -hmm. And when I actually poked at it just a little bit, when I was brave for like a few minutes, 
Right. It evaporated. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, what do I have any other walls that I have created like that, that actually I could just like Ooh, look at them and they I would I love it so over. much. I love it so much. It's like transformation happens in a moment. It happens in an yeah. instant. So and that made me more excited about preparing for the rest of the trip. And it took us four years of planning and preparation. And like every activity that we did was focused on that thing. Like our kids didn't do classes. We did, we sailed together. And then we always had this big goal of we are going to live on a sailboat and that huge. Yeah. Cause it said you took, us. it took you four years. It, it, you, it took us, you have four years from the idea of a sailboat to actually be buying a sailboat. Right. Yeah. So yeah. for four years, yeah, for four years, whatever it was going to take to get our family on a sailboat was worth the sacrifice to us. And then we got it. finally got out there. Right. And we had a huge <laughs> pivot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You had like a breakdown. So, so yeah, this is, this is, well, let's go back really quick, Emily, to, I mean, it's metaphor city, the story you just told us, right. Yeah. Of, of this transformation. And you're like, no, I, I want to stay here. I, who knew, who knew that this was just on the other side of my fear, not 20 miles away and not 50, just, just on the other side you know, yeah. maybe 20 feet in, right? Kind of thing. But it was just on the other side. Like five it, inches. If you even just put your face in the water, you're like, oh, now I can see everything. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, that's, this is how it goes. And this is how it goes with middles too. But yeah. you got to go in, you got to go in the water. And um, I love that. I love that metaphor so much. It's beautiful. So uh, yeah, let's talk about the pivots. Cause I remember you said the first time you started doing this, you had your first overnight sale. You talked about like it was gut wrenching. I mean, just bring us, take us there, take us there right now. Okay, so when yeah. we moved, we we kind of packed everything up, and it was the dead of winter in North America, and we flew down to the equator where it was warm, and we got on this boat, and um, and we quick. There's a chapter in our book called uh, Dreamers Remorse. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that chapter is because, you know, we'd been working towards this, actually, depending on where you peg the starting line, it was either four or six years, but it was a long time. And we finally got everything that we'd been hoping for. We were down in the Caribbean in February, living on our new boat, uh, which needed a new lot to of us, yeah. new to <laughs> us. Sorry, it was it was a it was a real fixer upper. And um, part of the, the dreamer's remorse and part of this pivot was we realized that the boat needed a lot more work than we had realized. Uh, everything was going to cost a lot more than we had thought and budgeted. And and the experience level to do the kind of selling that we were planning to do felt way beyond what we currently had. And so we were just feeling really overwhelmed, felt like we had just made the dumbest decision of our lives. In yeah, fact, sure. there's a moment when everyone kind of, oh, you know, uh, we, we were particularly miserable um, uh, and, and I asked the whole boat, I was like, whose dumb idea was this? And they all turned and looked at me. <laughs> Yours. <laughs> Yours. Yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we all Thanks, we Dad. all bought in, but you know, yeah, I, I'll I'll own that it started, started with me. It, yeah. So we were really just in a bad way. And we said, you know right. what? I, I think the question that got us out there was despite all the things that could go wrong we had asked ourselves what could go right. Mm. And when we weighed all, you know, cause we knew that financial ruin, death, injury, you know, you know, joblessness upon return, all those things were things that could go wrong, but the likelihood of that was pretty low. 
of any one of those scenarios playing out. And then we had asked ourselves, what could go right? And we looked at all the amazing places we could go, the kinds of experiences we could have as a family. Um, we hadn't really thought about the people that we could meet yet, but that ended up being a part of it that was just one of the best parts of our trip. And when we asked ourselves what could go right and the likelihood of those things happening, the, the scales easily tipped in favor of taking this trip. In fact, we would have been fools not to do it. And so when we got down there, all those beautiful shining reasons for going just sort of evaporated and we couldn't see them anymore. That's and, when Netflix became so compelling. Yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh, and so, uh -huh. and so we're there miserable, um, you know, feeling broke, Jeez. feeling, you know, outgunned. And we just yeah. decided, you know, okay, before we do anything drastic, let's get grateful. Emily and I have a longstanding practice in our marriage of when things are bad, we get grateful. And when we're, once we're coming from a place of gratitude, we think better and a way opens up. And so we decided to take this sail to a nearby island called Tinta Bar. It was about okay. three miles off of St. Martin where we bought uh -huh. our boat. Uh -huh. And we sailed out there. It was a really rough sail. Everyone got seasick. Oh, uh, well, they have the, it's one of the most treacherous. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't know it, but didn't we didn't know that though, huh? You just went out. Oh yeah. God. We didn't know that when we were buying our boat, we were picking it up from the, uh, a cove that has what the entrance and exit to this cove is one of the most treacherous entrances in the whole Caribbean. Right. So just, just getting out on the ocean was like scary, beyond frightening. <laughs> and sure. So we're all dog sick. We get to this little island. We, you know, trying to drop anchor was, we're having all kinds of trouble. Finally, we get the anchor set and everyone just collapses. I think Emily made broth for dinner that night. Literally and, beef broth and is what Maybe we ate, two yeah. or three people had some of that, but it was, it was terrible. Uh, but the next morning we woke up refreshed and we got ourselves to the beach and we were still pretty mad, you know, just about. Mad? Like, what do you mean mad? Like, I, I was just angry. Like, like you know, like. Like, like, how could I have, how could I have done this to myself? You know, yeah, okay, I get it. <laughs> angry at myself, I guess, you know, yeah, like jokes on us. Like, what were, what do we do? Like, come on, it could have been avoided the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. The whole thing. And so, you yeah. know, we, we wanted to just sell the boat, fly back home and beg for my job back. But we took this moment, we found a little spot in the shade and we asked all of our kids, what got us here was thinking what could go right. And we're here now. And let's ask ourselves, what is going right, right now? That's awesome. And that started to take us to a place of gratitude. And once we got grateful, we were able to calm down, kind of get get our heads straight, get our wits about mm -hmm. us, and we started to figure things out. And I feel like that was a real turning point for us that prevented us from backing out because it's when you get to that point and we talk about this in our course you know at the whole the course is all built on sailing metaphors and the stages <laughs> yeah. of journeys As that we've it been should through. be come yeah. on yes and so you know this is the easy this is the spot where it's super easy to psych yourself out and say you know what this was this was a dumb idea and i'm gonna and i'm just gonna retreat um and we chose not to and we we stayed out and this Beautiful. this section is called trusting your compass right right yeah and I think because didn't you say Emily? Didn't you say like? Didn't you have that moment you're watching planes? Oh like, yeah, flying was, overhead, and you kept thinking like six hours away. Yeah, from I could my... be home in six hours on my couch watching Netflix. We actually started playing a game like, um, what would be easy? <laughs> what would be easy? Sitting on a couch would be easy. What ordering pizza would be easy? You know, like we were just trying. 
all these things we could do that would be easy, that would be way easier than like washing our laundry in a bucket by hand and, you know, making our own water and just whatever the things that were hard. But when we asked the kids what they were grateful for, all of the things they were grateful for were things that were happening on our journey, like the time (laughs) that we had together or being in the water or being able to see the stars. You can't really see the stars from New York City unless there's a blackout. So it's just, um, it was just so helpful for us. And, you know, thank goodness to Eric for pulling out a phone and like filming that because we have that recorded for our Uh, family. It was such a pivotal moment for all of us. And that's when we were like, you know what, it's, it's worth it, the sacrifice to keep going. And then that turned out to be like one of the hardest parts. And after that, some things opened up. It did get more beautiful. We made friends. We, oh man, we just would have missed out on so much, not just from that trip, but on who we became and everything that's happened since because we stuck it out. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And again, back to the becoming, right? Yeah. And didn't, didn't one of your friends offer you a- Oh, Yeah. Way to learn about relationships, Eric and Emily. But you want that kind, you want those kind of relationships, right? Like they said you could drive you, they offered you a van. You were in Europe at some point. And you could well, drive it across. Yeah. Well, one thing is if you're gonna be the type of person who's willing to take a risk like that, you are gonna join a community of people who are those kind of people. And so then this whole other like echelon of opportunities becomes available and you have this capacity to say yes when you see them. And so I'll let Eric tell what happened. I think what happened is, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier about credibility is that we'd said we were going to do this one thing and people thought it was a cute idea when we started living, you know, talking about living on a boat. People didn't believe you, right? But once we had done that, people started to believe us. And also we started to believe ourselves and we built credibility with others and within ourselves. And so people kind of trusted us with, crazy invitations and crazy opportunities. And we got invited to house it in Hawaii for two months. And we said, yes. And we went and we did it. And then, and we got, yeah. And then we got invited again and we went. And so um, we were home and we were talking with some of our sailing friends who had since moved to Portugal and they had sold their boat in the Caribbean and they'd bought a new boat in the Mediterranean and they needed to move it from Turkey to Athens and, and they're like, I got that. So they moved it to, from Turkey to Athens themselves. But then they, they wanted they wanted to say they said, well, we're going to need some help sailing it across the Mediterranean and the Atlantic back to the Caribbean. And do you guys want to help us out? And we said, uh, uh, yes, yeah. we did. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a little backstory on this. When we we were with them in St. Martin and this was, again, sort of going back to my worry Um we felt like they were all heading south to Grenada, where you go to yep. sort of sit out hurricane yep. season. Mm-hmm. And you had to make a choice. You have to go north or south. And south was kind of a risk because it's further away from home and more uncertainty. There's a time commitment and, too, like a whole season. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't, know, we didn't know how long our money was going to last and all that sort of stuff. And so we said, you know what? We're going to go north because north is towards home. And we want to, we know that eventually we want to sail back home and, and all that. And, and so we, we, when we left St. Martin, we said goodbye to our friends. It was very sad and sort of our hearts wanted to go south, but our, our, our head said, you know, the right thing to do is go north. So when we, and we're glad we did, but at this point, our friends are saying, hey, do you want to come? Yeah, fast and forward three fast years. Fast forward several years and we'd written the book 
and the book wasn't paying the bills. It and, wasn't published yet. And it, it wasn't published yet. <laughs> yeah. But so, you know, we're getting towards the end of, cause I'd left sales to do this yeah. other thing. And we didn't even right. talk about why I left sales, but, um, but I, you know, we were pivoting to becoming authors and, uh, basically, you know, we were, we felt like we were going to be out of money by the time we got to this opportunity. And they said, you know, do you want to come to Europe and we need help sailing our van from driving our van. We have a van that we need to drive from Greece to Portugal. And then we need help sailing our boat from Portugal to the Caribbean. Do you want to come? And we said, you know what? Yes. Again, because, um, you know, we're like, this is the kind of opportunity that if we were retired, we'd want to go drive a van across Europe and we'd want to cross an ocean. We couldn't imagine a better deal coming along. We saw all of the, all of the pieces in place and with people that we loved and places that we had wanted to go anyway. And we still had our kids with us. So we're like, it doesn't, it's not going to get better than this. It's sick. Yeah. I, it's not going to get better. Right. And I, I think it's kind of what I think you, you'd said when we had, we had, we've had previous conversations, you know, it's like Mala, this get it that that can, that can never be undone. Can never be undone. Like yeah. the yeah, the val that can never be undone, and the value of that kind of investment, it just never goes down. Versus well, we, the investment in the boat or the or the apartment or the car or the whatever, right? It's interesting. Yeah, w- one of the things yeah. that we'd learned what, exactly what you're saying is as we kind of went through each of these journeys, and you look back and you say, you know what, that's locked in. That cannot be undone. We've taken our money and we've used it to buy a memory that will always go up in value. And that's the best investment we can make because we, we invest in plenty of things and you don't know if it's going to go up or down. And, you know, this was a hard year for a lot of people financially because <laughs> yeah, they saw their retirement I like accounts. how you say they, but yeah. Including we're all, us. We were all watching Yeah, you know, you see <laughs> if you have a portfolio at all, you know, if you have a 401k, you watch it drop by 35% and that's a little alarming. It's really tough. It's um, really, yeah, and alarming is a better word. Yeah. But when, you, when you've invested in memories that can never be undone and will always increase in value, we felt really good about spending our money the way we had. Oh, yeah, right, but like smart investors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, sure, 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 sure. We, yeah, so we, like, we, we spent our money when traveling was possible. Exactly. And exactly. yeah, we're, know, yeah, as opposed to us sitting here right now, right? <laughs> yeah, you never, you <laughs> never think August, of those opportunities. Where are we, to go August fourteenth, twenty twenty. Yeah, here we are, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so let's just let's move into uh, lessons learned here. You know, I always know know with middles that there are two types of rewards that are clear to people. Um, one is extrinsic, right? Like just mm-hmm. things that you can see and others can see too. And they can go, wow, like Eric and Emily just got back and look at them, look at how they're behaving or look at what they just gained or their boat is awesome. Or their kids have the coolest haircuts now. I don't know. You, got, you know what I mean? It's like whatever yeah. it is. And then, the, and then there's the intrinsic stuff. It's the stuff that nobody sees. It's the stuff that only you can really see. And those really close to you pick up on it, but they feel it. They can't see it. Um, so yeah, just walk me through just what were, what's something extrinsic you brought back from the journey and what were the intrinsic things or the one thing that you brought back from your journey? Well, I think the, the, extrinsic things are that, um, you know, we just, we had just learned how to do things. Um, Mm, mm -hmm. you know, you just, you kind of, you have a skill like, Oh, Hey, cool. You know how to sail a boat. That's kind of cool. Or, um, you know, when I had, when I climbed El Capitan, which was its own journey, 
you know, and so it's always nice, you know, when you can show, you know, you have some fun pictures to show. It and, is. Yes. You know, and that's Instagram and Facebook and totally and YouTube and all that. And so those extrinsic things are fun. And, and, and so, you know, we all sort of look at each other and we envy each other's lives. And we well, we go for it. We go for it because you can feel it and other people can feel it with you. And like a picture, oh, my word, right? Or the, the marathon medal or, you know, um, yeah. if, anytime like you've, you've run a marathon or like lost weight, right? Everybody can see that. It's like, wow, you sure. look great, right? Kind of thing, which you're kind of like, well, what did I look like before? On the sailing trip, Eric did lose 20 pounds. Like oh we weren't gosh. trying anything, but it just... It's all it's all that beef broth, Emily. Right? Yeah, all that beef broth. I, I'm on the sea sickness diet. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, just practically speaking, our boat came with really tiny dishes because it was French, and we didn't. We had a it super was... small refrigerator, and we couldn't do the leftovers thing. So I was always we were always trying to cook just what we would eat, and we realized we actually only need to eat half of what we were sitting around the table and continuing to eat to eat just because we enjoy each other's company and. And so he was like, I should write a book about weight loss that starts with step one, buy a boat, you know, because everyone <laughs> in America is so obsessed with that. But the thing that he learned was that, oh, this weight gain is not inevitable. And that sort of clicked in the dream for climbing El Cap because he realized I can get fit. It's not too late. You know, I thought we were past That's this point cool. in my life, but I'm going to reclaim that now that I know. So cool. I can transform my fitness to be a, to a level where I can accomplish that goal. Anyway, so that was a little sidetrack. No, yeah. I love that. No, no, no. Because no, I, I hold that as Eric. Yeah. You really, it was a goal, but kind of one that would pass by or one that would be nice, but you know, certainly you certainly weren't in the shape or what you thought was necessary to make that happen. Yeah. I just thought, you know, yeah. once you hit your forties, it's kind of inevitable that you're going to get a little, get a little tubby, get a little soft. Right. And, and, and I, cause and so we did. I, cause so I we lost did. 20 pounds on the boat. I came home and I gained it all right back. But, yeah. but then sure. I knew, <laughs> but then I knew it wasn't inevitable. And I knew right. that I could make changes in my life that if I just stuck with them over the long term, Right. would would shift and i ended up losing 40 pounds True. the next time yeah and, and that's when i went and i climbed el cap so yeah yeah there yeah. you go bring it on el cap <laughs> so yeah those are the extrinsic rewards um and tell I me about, say, let's talk about the intrinsic stuff so well, i want to say here this is actually kind of interesting what you're talking about like the the part that shows really yeah um, because our kids actually kind of have this um practice that they do when they meet new people, they try to see how long they can go without the person discovering that we lived on a boat or that we're a traveling family. They never ah. lead with it. In fact, our son was at a at a church dance and, a, and the girl was asking him like, well, where have you ever traveled? And he was like, well, I've been to Canada, you know, and which is Canada is great. We love Canada, right? But we, he told us when he came home and we were like, why didn't you lead with Morocco, you know, or something? Yeah, I'm like, where like, haven't I traveled? Here's yeah, my and, number. And it's just yeah. not like, not that way because, you know, one, and the, our other daughter has said like, traveling isn't what made me interesting, you know, and, and just, because you want to, I don't know, there's just this feeling of like, I don't want to show off. And really the the real value and the real treasure were the transformations that took place inside of us that you can't take a picture of, but it manifests in our new confidence or a boldness or a willingness to take. There's the intrinsic. There's the that, intrinsic. Yeah, reward. that other mm -hmm. people can see, but the, but mm -hmm. the intrinsic shift is 
Well, I'll say for our kids, um, as we were coming back up the East Coast on our sale, I asked him this question, like, what have you learned? And the oldest daughter was 17 at the time. And she said, or have you changed? And she said, I don't feel like I've changed, but I think I've become more myself, like that a crisis or those intense experiences Mm. really show you who you are. And so she just felt so much closer to her true self. And then our daughter who was 15 at the time said, I've just become comfortable being uncomfortable. And so, yes, our family relationships were galvanized because we shared so many stories and experiences that only we understand. And um, we had those, you know, individual growth moments. But I think the takeaway in general was what we like to call three kinds of confidence. We've identified what Eric said about competence. We, when you learn a new skill, you become more confident. You know, that just happens because Mm -hmm. you're more capable. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he talked earlier about credibility. And when you do what you say you're going to do, even if it's something small, that builds your confidence. And we did so many small things that we said we would do and some huge things. And we value that credibility so highly that we're kind of really careful what we commit to, you know, now. And if we tell our kids a promise, then we try to keep it. Um, you are your word. Yes. Yeah. That integrity became so important and that was important to us. But we, when we got home, that was one of the amazing things. Eric had like headhunters calling him. They're like, here's a guy who will do what he says he's going to do, you know? And sure. so it goes other a long way. Trusted us. And the last one I think for me was the most transformative. I told you I was scared of deep water. Man, I, there's so many things I could list that I was afraid of. I was afraid, oh my gosh, I have so many girls. What's going to happen when they become teenagers? I've heard these horrors, horrible stories or like all these different kind of fears I have and you kind of want to control every situation or build in contingencies. And after this experience, I had, I think we all had the confidence of calm where we mm-hmm. knew mm-hmm. we will figure it out. The answers mm-hmm. will emerge. We don't have to know before we get going. It's mm. it will be fine. And and that's so hard to get. It's so hard to get. It's and I so think hard to get. Honestly, for me, I think I needed an intense mm. experience like this to figure it out because mm. when we would go, when we really started moving and we weren't just hanging out at one island for several weeks, we would move every few days to a new island, a new currency, a new culture, new groceries, like whatever. I realized, wow, seeing it on repeat so close together helps me realize it's fine. We'll figure it out. We've never been here before. We don't know where anything is. We don't know anybody here and it'll be fine. But in some ways, in some ways I have been here before, right? Exactly. Over and over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But I've over and over gone to a new place, met new people, you know, and just like, Wow, the world that I see on the news is not the world I'm experiencing in real life where mm-hmm. everybody is trying to be helpful and right, you know, they want you to succeed and they want to be your friends and <laughs> I love it. I love these three types of confidence, right? Competency which would fall into the extrinsic bucket and then the intrinsic, the confidence and the calm. Yeah. Oh, the credibility, that's what it is. Yeah, the yeah. credibility. And I, Eric, you know, he he made the metaphor of these memories being a good investment. It's kind of a financial metaphor. And uh-huh. I think it's the same we do with the credibility. We talk about how everyone has a credit score and you know what your credit score and that's uh-huh. so important to what you're able to accomplish financially. But thinking about like, what's your credibility score? What's your ratio of talk to walk? 
And we just want to keep that really high. Keep that score high. Yeah, keep that score high. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes, I love it. I love it. It's clear to me. It's clear to me and they all matter. Um, okay, so let's kind of wrap things up with middles. Um, a golden question here. What have your middles taught you? I know they've taught you a lot. So, I mean, if somebody said, hey, top three things or top five things, what would you rattle off to them? That your middles have taught you? Because I know that your trip was full of <laughs> both of your shares. of Yeah. Middles. Well, I'm actually going to double back to something that we talked about in, in earlier when, when say in sales, um, I was at a, the reason I left sales after a while to become an author was because I realized I was in training and, and the, the guy who was training said, you know, if you don't take responsibility, if you don't prioritize your life, somebody will do it for you. <laughs> and for me, I, that really got to me and it shook me up. And I realized that as much as I was enjoying making money and getting recognized and being promoted and all those other things, that those actually weren't satisfying or really important to me. They were a journey that did not matter enough to me. And even though I liked making those amounts of money and everything that came along with it, I realized that I have one life. And my time here on earth is limited. My time with my kids before they grow up is limited. And, uh, you know, and, and if I want to do the things that matter to me, I should start now. Mm. And that's when I, cause I'd been trying to write this book for probably a year and not succeeding. I had been able to write maybe 10, 15 minutes a day on a good day. I'd get an hour and, but that was not happening. It's hard too to get in the zone. 10 to 15 minutes is tough versus an hour is almost easier, right? And if I and I kept saying to myself, this is my this is the most important thing professionally. This is my priority. And yet I was not I would my credibility score, as Emily points out, it was dropping because I kept saying something and I wasn't doing it. And so finally I said, if this is the most important thing, I need to commit to it. And that's when I, I left mm. sales and we committed to write and we took a year to focus solely on this book and uh, huge move huge move it was and, and it was a big risk it's not and, recommended by anybody yeah that's a bad <laughs> a, a terrible career strategy um and but i have to say it was for me it was such a pivotal decision because it's you know that was 4 years ago and i think it's been 4 years since i've had a proper job um yet we've had in those 4 years you know, Emily was talking about the timeline for the boat and it took us four years to go from having the idea to actually setting sail. And the number of things that we've done in the past four years since then, like this, this pattern, this process that we've figured out um, that helps us feel oriented amidst uncertainty is the thing that has given us the confidence so that we recognize, oh, we're on this journey and there's going to be this excitement of beginning. And then there's going to be a couple of roadblocks and obstacles and we're going to get into the middle and it's not going to be as fun and as exciting anymore. Gonna and it's going to kind of get kind of a, become a drag and it might even get kind of sucky. And we have, that's where we decide is this, does this journey matter enough? Do I want to persevere here? Right. And, and if we've chosen wisely, then we do. We do have the courage to continue persevering, and we um, and mm. we see it through. And the and the number of times that we've been through that journey in the subsequent four years is what's mm. really been the most satisfying thing for us. We realize that that's part of the cycle. That that's how you 
engage with ambiguity and uncertainty and learn to um, overcome it and how you evaporate fear. Taking away from the middle is just that uh, that first that first huge journey, we were so worried the whole time, but what we learned from it was that worry was optional. And as we've moved forward, we yeah, like continue reducing the amount of worry mm-hmm. and continue increasing kind of the boldness with which we, we move forward and the ease with which we're willing to say yes to things because we have more clarity on what matters to us. So I feel like the, I respect the middle so much as the refining place, right? It is. It is the refining place. And we have another guest uh, on a different episode. She talks about the power of yes, you know, and she just shares like how poignant, significant, just that choice is to say yes. Um, So I love to like take a little break. Like I said, sometimes Netflix is the answer. Do a little recharge, a little refuel, spend some downtime processing, not taking a risk, but like really leveraging your comfort zone. So that you're then ready to go back out and say, like, I'm yeah. ready for the middles again. I don't it's know what's going to happen, but yeah. I know I'm going to learn a lot, you know, yeah, and off you exactly. go. And you got to be ready for it. And, like, that's part of the self-care piece, right? Of, of the new neuro, neuro, yeah, the, the I don't think there is any greater self-care than figuring out what matters most to you and I doing know. that with your life. Well, speaking of, speaking of self-care, I think one gauge for me to help tell if I'm doing something that matters enough uh-huh. is if I ask my, if I, if I talk about something in a way that says, this is taking, you know, this is taking up too much time. Yes. Or I want, or do I, you know, do I, am I, do I want to give my time to this? If I talk about something as it's taking time, I know that that's probably something I resent. And that's something that is probably <laughs> not um, something that really matters to me. It doesn't matter enough. I love that. That's but right. If I, but if I say, you know, I want to give my time to this, that's an indicator to me that I that I value this. It matters, and it's and it's where I want to allocate my time, energy, and love. Even that language, right? Oh, this is taking mm-hmm. my time. This is too much time. Yeah, and I'm able to, I'm able to tell myself. Ah, I love it. Gold, gold, gold everywhere. All right, let's let's go with this last question. Ready? Um, yeah, if somebody came and asked you, they said, "Hey, I I really would love your advice," and they're trying to answer the question, "Am I on a journey that matters enough to me?" I really want to know what advice would you give them? Top three to five things. What would you say? I would say for me, first of all, there has to be an intersection of curiosity and positive energy around it. Like, are you Mm. curious about this more? Do you have Mm. like an excited, Mm. positive feeling about it? And then the third question would be like, are you willing to make the sacrifices? Giving, Giving up what? your normal is now making the sacrifices and changes required to pursue that. If that excites you, then, then I would say then go, go for go, it. Go team. And, that's and a I, great, that's, that's a great, great, great uh, kind of rubric uh, to use, you know, uh, to check that off. I like that Emily a lot. Okay. Eric, what, what were you going to say? Well, I just finished reading uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, big magic. And I, and oh, yes. I was, I was yes. laying in bed reading it and, and I read this out loud to Emily because I think it's such a brilliant question. You know, the, the classic self-help question is, um, what would you do if you weren't afraid? He read yeah. it out loud to me because I was in, she was in a, a moment of fear. Emily, I can't I can't resonate with you at all. I'm sorry. I, I don't I don't really understand what you mean. <laughs> the volume is real high on my fear right now. And he's I get like, it. Well, I'm loudspeaker, I say. 
<laughs> so I'm reading her passages from this book because I, uh-huh. you know, it's our, my second time reading it. And, um, and the classic question is, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And that's a very empowering question. And, but Elizabeth, Elizabeth Gilbert flips it on and she says, what would you do even if you knew you would fail? Mm. And, and I love that because. Um, what would you do even if you knew you would fail? And, and I, and I think, you know, like what's a, what's a pursuit that's worth it for its own inherent value, not because somebody's going to buy it or you're going to become famous or you're going to become um, regarded for it. You know, um, you know, would you travel if nobody knew about it? Would you write a, <laughs> what if would, your phone was broken? Would you still travel? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, you know, would, would Nothing you, would you write a book if nobody was going to read it? Would you paint a painting if nobody was ever going to buy it? Right. You know, would you, what would you do even if you knew you, would you go rock climbing if, even if you knew you never were going to get to the top? It really helps when you put actual situations inside that question, yeah, right? It, it becomes, it becomes really, really real. Just that, that certain things are worth doing simply because of the process. For me, that's how I feel about writing. Even if nobody reads a book I've written, like I've, you know, I've written this other book uh, about you know, the spiritual journey of a door-to-door salesman. And I don't know what to do with it just yet. And if anybody, but you know what? I'm so glad I wrote it. I'm so glad. And I've shared it with a couple of friends and my kids. And, and, you know, if that's all that ever comes of it, I'll be so pleased. And that's a good, good gauge, good metric. And so, you know, those kinds of things. Certain things are worth doing just for the purpose of processing. Yes. Because, you know, w- one of my favorite writers on writing is uh, Brenda Euland. Mm-hmm. And she, she talks about how, you know, the writing itself is the treasure. You know, what happens to you in the process of doing it is really what is the best part. And then if it goes out into the world and it finds a place and it strikes a chord and it reaches an audience, wonderful. And you mm-hmm. could say the same thing about your podcast, which is wonderful. And we could say the same thing about our course that we're getting ready to launch. You know, is anybody going to buy it? Is anybody going to do it? We don't know. We don't know. Right. But we've learned so much and we've gained so much in the process that if, if nothing ever comes of it, fine. And, you know, there's a certain place where you have to deal with the necessities of life and you need to make a buck and you need to be able to buy groceries and all that. And I get it, but there are certain things where, you know, would you do it? even if you knew you'd fail? That's a great, great, great question. You know, and I think, uh, Eric, uh, just to piggyback on that, I think, of course, you know, inside, intrinsically, you 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 go, you know what? Like the hustle of that was worth it. Um, it would have been nice if I had XYZ number of viewers or followers or whoever, right? But man, like that just, it was transformative for me. It changed me, right? But mm-hmm. the ego, the ego is a nasty little, uh, nasty little side of us, right? Who very does n- very persistent does not want us to be comfortable with the, with that answer of uh, no, but it was worth it for me. And I think that there, there's an Emily. I'm sure you have an intersection for that because uh, it, it, because you need one for that. Like mm-hmm. the ego meets the whoever. It's just. Um, I think it's real. And I think it's important to acknowledge that at the end of the day, which voice is on loudspeaker? Um, is it possible to have both uh, the intrinsic and the extrinsic be rewarded at the same time? Can we see that? And I just think that middles ask us to sit in that um, and figure that out of like, well, no, but really, really, does this matter enough? 
Um, and yeah, so Eric, I love your example of writing um, and your and your story, right? That, that you've written. It's like, well, my son liked it, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, well, if your son liked it, like, is that enough? Like, is that enough? And I think I speak just, um, you know, from my own experience here and just my my own sitting in that question. Right. And when you ask, huh, like what, what would, what's making it not enough? It's your, I look back at narratives that I've inherited or I've adopted um, over time that says, well, that's not good enough or that's not significant enough or it only matters if you X, Y, Z. And um, mm-hmm. I don't have a conclusion on it yet. I think it's why I'm sharing it. And I yeah. think that we all kind of need to process that and who determines what is enough. And uh, that's, you know, that's another, that's another episode. That's another episode. But I will so. say I, I have a friend who did this amazing challenge who doesn't love a challenge. Right. And her, her challenge was she was so type a, so good at everything. Just, yep. you know, top pianist, top chef, top yoga person, top, whatever it is, she's the top Student. of it. Yes. You know, yes. and she took a challenge in January before we even knew about COVID and said, like, I am going to spend a whole month not trying to impress anybody. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to, like, oh, man. go against my natural grain. Recognizing, my type A. My type right? A is so uncomfortable right now. Okay. Yes. Like, recognizing that so much of what she was doing was motivated to to please others, which great. Like that's what makes us communities and and civilization. But she was feeling like she wanted to question, is that to a healthy degree or an unhealthy degree? And I just want to take a little time, enough time to really be able to get a, a sample and just try not doing anything that seems impressive mm. just doing really normal everyday <laughs> average things <laughs> not impressing anybody and like I, as I'm you gonna, can tell for I'm her gonna gonna cook it average, was restful <laughs> an average omelet exactly it's like no french laundry french no it's just an average yeah, yeah. i get it it kind of goes back to one lesson you were telling me uh, emily about you know am i on a journey that matters enough to me it's like well, my advice, you, you, you'd give me this advice, which was, well, Mala, it's fun to win because you know how much I like winning. Like that's yeah, my yeah. game. That's my whole thing. Yeah. But it's really, it's always really great to learn. And that actually is right. This is addressing exactly what I just brought up. For your type A friend who took a month, it's, it's, not, it's not comfortable. But no, it's uncomfortable. But when you finish, but when you finish um, is the learning there and was it worth the investment? Back to the financial analogy. Was it worth it? And I don't think there's any other way you can learn it, to be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah, I actually, great. I just read an article about learning and it was specifically specifically about reframing how we learn math. But I think reframing, they said we need to redefine what it means to be successful to include room for failure, right? Like I'm good at this, right? Because I have, and I, and it leaves, I'm successful at this and with leaving lots of room for failure. And I were speaking about math specifically, but I just highlighted it like crazy. Like, yes, there is no success without the failure because that's the yes. learning. So. Yes, it is. especially if we're talking about math. I need that. I need that. <laughs> I will, I will, um, I'll send you a PDF, but it, it was amazing. I love I just, this. I think, um, I think I have one last comment, which is we had a friend once who was asking us about this at a turning point in his life, making a decision. And he said, I want to take a risk, but I don't know what will happen. I'm only 46, 
but I've seen this over and over again. And I would say if that's how you are feeling, listening, you want to take a risk, but you don't know what will happen, it will emerge. Mm. It will. I will take a risk, but I don't know what will happen. And you're saying just sit still for a second or five years. You'll find out when you start moving. (laughs) It will manifest itself when you move. And that's you in the water, right? Every time we sailed towards an island, we kind of wondered what's it going to be like when we get there. Mm -hmm. We had all kinds of questions. And the only way to get the answers was just to keep moving Moving, forward and moving closer. Keep moving in it. You have to be willing Mm. to start moving before you have, Mm -hmm. you'll have all the questions, but you won't have all the answers. This, okay. I could sit in this conversation for for a long time because I have so, so many more questions, so many more comments. No, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. And for me, this learning is, uh, it's priceless, you know? And so let's get back to you and let's wrap it. Uh, where do we find you? Where do we buy the book? Like, I know you're building a course. Um, I don't know. Like, wh- where do we follow you or tell us where you are? So go to the awesomefactory.nyc. That's the best place, the awesomefactory.nyc. And okay. you can find book and our blog and everything else from there Beautiful. and okay. the course as well the course is called us to social media on there yeah Probably. you can get to our yeah. social media awesome platforms and oh, the excellent. course is called dreaming with discipline and Ooh. mala what we're going to do is we're going to create a code a special mm. code and it's going to be code mala m-a-l-a oh no i feel so and, honored yes and it's going to get anybody that uses that code a hundred dollars off the course it's normally 197 wow. so you get it for oh. more than more than half off and and we'll figure out how long we let that code run but um if you use that code you Beautiful. get a hundred bucks off the course and oh, um, thank you. and then you know you can get the book anywhere books are sold anywhere good books are sold i should say <laughs> yeah, and, and, the then, cor- and the course is just you know it's short videos with us telling our stories teaching our cool. principles and then there's a 45 page workbook Short videos, small steps. That's yeah, it's trying to take all the lessons that we've learned and helping people plug in whatever whatever matters enough to them, gives them a framework to help them pursue it and make it happen. Beautiful. So basically, if you go sailing for a year with your family, you become this generous, everybody. This is what starts to happen. <laughs> you like offer things at like 50, 50% off. I mean, no, it's it's awesome. You guys, thank you so much. And once again, you guys, the, the name of the book is Seven at Sea. That's the best way to search it in Google. It's like, boom, mm-hmm. it'll pop up. Yeah. Seven at Sea. It's uh, Eric and Emily Orton have been with us on this episode. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you so much, Eric, for sharing the wisdom, sharing the love, uh, making me laugh, making me a little scared. And that's good. <laughs> really, really good. And so uh, oh, it's been so good for us. We, too. Will, we will talk very soon. And everybody, thanks for listening to this episode. Um, I hope we hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Keep it up, Mala. Everybody subscribe. Yeah. Subscribe away. Mala in the middle. Let's do, do it. it. Mm hmm. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the conversation, please, please, please rate and review the show on either the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps people find this show faster and easier. Also, as a textbook extrovert, I would love to hear what you think. Tell me what's working for you, what's not, and what you'd like to hear more of. DM me on Instagram at at Mala Graywall. Again, that's at Mala Graywall. M-A-L-A-G-R-E-W-A-L on Instagram. Thanks for listening.